the extra ball. Welcome to the show, Propaganda Extra. Some bonus bits for you members. Hello, down here along with Michael and Rob. Um, be sorted, we can talk about them safely now, can't we? I don't know, I reckon they might have subscriptions. Mm. You think so? <laughs> it's possible. He did once do a psychotic thing of listening to about 10 different episodes and joining things together and pretending he was having a chat with us. You need to check the uh, burner email accounts that are getting the free trial. <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange. Well, Billy, you humorless twat, if you are <laughs> watching or listening, uh, enjoy. Thanks for your... If it's a free trial, we haven't had your money, have we? Anyway, uh, here's some benign shite they said. I try not to sort of talk about the referee in post-match podcast because I think it sounds like you're moaning, especially if the result didn't go your way. But I thought the referee today was particularly poor. I mean, he seemed to have the ball more than the, the leads uh, forwards for a start. You know, the ball... How, how many times did the referee get that ball? Hit him at least four or five times yeah. as well. Made the wrong decision. Oh, God. He's making wrong decisions left, right and centre. Um, he was... Uh, there was times when leads were falling over and then he gave him the foul. There's at least three trips that they did where they tripped over themselves. They gave him the foul. Now, I'm saying this watching the game from the stands. So that's what it looked like from the stands. You would have seen replays on the TV back at home if you saw it on TV. But I'm sure that's what it seemed like. That ref, um, he wasn't great at all. Agreed, mainly with the thrust of what he was saying. Ref was poor. Mm. He was our best holding midfielder, wasn't he? Old Peter Banks. Lots of interceptions. Mm. There is more than any other player on the pitch, actually. Cutting out the passing lanes. Yeah, I did did look into this. I've written a blog for us uh, analysing... Uh, Peter Banks's game uh, from the perspective of him reprising the Tyler Adams role and I've gone um, I've gone quite deep I've been inspired by the Athletic and how they do their like tactical analysis and they'll have screenshots with like mm. fancy lines drawn is, that, is there a heat stuff. map? there's not a heat map do you want me there's, to draw uh, you one? there's a lot of kind of circles and arrows which may make suggestive um, <laughs> shapes but it should be published on cock, Tuesday cock and balls and stuff perhaps Excellent. maybe I'm looking forward to seeing it, that it was also pointed out that he had as many touches as Izzy Brown Yes, in the, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs. Well, that was his. Was that his only game, or did he play a cup game? Uh, he came on at QPR, QPR and nearly yeah. got sent off in about five oh, minutes. Oh, that was it. Yeah, yes. trained too hard. I don't think he touched the ball that game. And his career's <laughs> obviously gone from strength to strength since then, hasn't it? Ah, oh, bless him. He was doing all right, wasn't he? Then he got injured again. He, got, yeah. uh, he did his knee, I think, at um, Preston. Anyway, I feel like, like I'm making up body parts and clubs. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I don't mean to that's, go that's in the that's in the before times. Um, let's talk about Billy here and whatever he said. <laughs> I mean, like the, the, the actual, the only bone of contention there is that Brentford were falling over too. Um, and yes, our players mm-hmm. do fall. Luke Ayling does a Luke, the, the Ayling flop, and it feels he like did a majestic one. Actually, mm-hmm. I made a note of thirty minutes. He did a really good one. Yeah, the, re- the referee was terrible. But I, I, as we said on the, I think it was the match ball. I witnessed him giving a free kick just based on pure guesswork because he was stood behind the incident and mm-hmm. saw a Brentford player go down um, around a challenge from two Leeds players. There was no foul. I saw it was just he just fell over, and there was the one over in the corner flag as well. Where mm-hmm. it was it. Rico Henry who just um... Aronson was sort of pressurising him yeah. wasn't he and it was ironic that it's Aronson who gets knocked all over the place and then Henry just collapsed in front of him yeah, yeah. Just, just he just fell over referee he, it's the weak refereeing thing of where you'll give loads and loads of free inconsequential free kicks for people who just fall over in fairly soft areas of the pitch where nothing's really going to be affected by it but then you know that same force of tackle if it was going to lead to a penalty or something they absolutely wouldn't touch it because they'd be like oh no that's, that's too much of a big decision like, well, don't give it for the other shit then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the line for a foul should be the same whether you're in the box or not, but if it, certain referees, it's a million miles apart it's, and I think that was definitely one of them. It's almost like the soft free kicks and that I can almost forgive because it is like both teams trying to, you know, it's fine, whatever. It's annoying, but I love Luke Aylin doing the Luke Aylin flop so I can let him off with that almost. But it, it was the stuff like 
stopping us to take a quick free kick or a throw in mm. to tell us to move it back. And then we moved it back like an inch or whatever and he just let play carry on then. And it, and it was the thing of, you know, the biggest compliment you can supposedly pay a ref is that you don't notice them. And he mm. was playing midfield. So it was like the opposite <laughs> yeah. of a good game from a ref. I think Ailing does bring a certain artistry to it as well. And a lot of players will go, go down injured then stand up holding the mm. calf or whatever. Ailing does it. As soon as that whistle goes, big smile on his face, jumps up. <laughs> He's like, yeah. I think there was a point actually when uh, when we were attacking the South Stand so Luke Kelly would have been on, on the side of the dugouts when he did that right out by the touchline as you might imagine and I think Thomas Frank even just patted him on the back it's like so yeah you're fine you, you, say, you say by the touchline like you'd imagine but have you seen how we play? <laughs> well yes been in areas, those. <laughs> absolutely well, true I'll tell you one thing I did notice from the referee because it was a clip on the, on Twitter it was actually Rodrigo's shot where it's in the second half and it's, it's kind of palm to the keeper's left and Nonto's following in and he he shoulder charges the defender well call it and at the time I was like ah oh, ref he's done nothing wrong there absolutely obliterates him <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's, I think he's the, the combination of how small he is and how solid he is means he can just compl- he's like a bowling ball flying into like a toddler or something <laughs> is, is, is have, you, have you tried that? No, not not recently. recently not no. recently. But he's just yeah. Since the, way, the ban from the bowling alley, <laughs> he did it. He did it right at the start of the game as well. There was one in midfield where he did it. He just he just ran like put his ass into someone basically, but they absolutely flew through the air and. It clearly like almost broke the guy's hip. On the tactics then, let's um, let's move on to a question from uh, assistant to the regional manager. Gareth is asking a question about Jesse. I just wondered why you think Marsh is getting a free ride in the stadium. He doesn't seem to be getting booed or jeered or anything. Yet we're rubbish and he seems to be getting away with it. Well, I don't think we are completely rubbish, are we? That's the thing. There's, in, there's just about enough to go on that stops the crowd turning you know, when the performances are quite good, like we, because we had a lot of possession in the Brentford game, for example, it made us look dominant. Um, and that's off the back of a lot of possession in the Villa game. I also think the crowd's not far off turning, to be perfectly honest. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's close to the cliff edge. I mean, it has on occasion as well. But there's also the thing of, I mean, I don't think he's getting a free ride because people hate him. <laughs> I want him sacked. And even in the ground, as much as there's not like chance for him or whatever, you're always surrounded by people that are just like, what is this? It's crap. Yeah. Get rid of him. But also mm. there's the, the sense of, well, we are paying to go and might as well try and enjoy it a little bit, I guess, and have a nice time and make mm. it a decent atmosphere. But it's still, it doesn't take much for us to then start calling for his head, I don't mean. Mm. I, I don't know if there's a weird kind of post-Bielsa sadness still about Ellen Road, where we don't, we can't quite bring ourselves to be angry about it. We just, I think my overriding thing is just sadness that the really fun thing's gone away. And this is immediately coming from like I when at the end of Bielsa I was thinking I'm not sure he's fixing this like I, I was not against the idea of him leaving but when it was good it was so good and it was fun and then it's a bit like oh that's ended now so now we just this is what we have to accept yeah I'm just going to say similar sort of point really that had Marsh come in and got some wins under his belt or had a winning streak you'd have gone fine the football's effective but he hasn't really has he we just kind of just bubbling along mm. doing just about enough I mean, that that was the um, the weird thing about Sunday was that you came out of it and it was like we sort of played alright so you, you don't want to be too disheartened but the, the, the kind of confusing thing about it was is that you could see them doing what Marsh wants them to do and Marsh seemed really happy by it so we were effectively executing the plan the but, question is whether the plan's good yeah, which that, is what Moscow wrote didn't he in his yeah and I and I think for a lot of people, just the Red Bull football is not to their taste and isn't going to be, even when we are doing it well. You still just look at it and think, well, why are we ignoring all that space? That's where I am. On the pitch. Yeah, I, I'm far from convinced by the overall plan. 
but I accept that we are executing the plan that is there slightly better. Because mm-hmm. I, I really framed it around the idea in my mind until I read Moscow's match report, which is on the website. Very good, you should read that. Um, and I thought, that's it. He's got a, he's got an uncanny habit of distilling my thoughts into into words, Moscow. So, uh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> the width thing's interesting because I feel like we have improved a bit on the width because there have been games earlier in the season when there was it felt like there was nothing there, whereas now Nonto does drift out there. Now, whether that's him using his initiative and thinking, well, I'll, rather than stand where all these people are, I'm just going to go stand over here and, and in doing so, spread out the other people as well because then the right back will have to go across to meet me or whatever. I feel, I feel like we've, we've got moments of that now. But yeah. I, I'm not sure if that's against the tactics. Yeah, I, I'm wondering about that because there, there's still a lot of moments where they're attacking and they might have a bit of space but the fullback or the winger is looking to the outside of them and they're stood on the width of the penalty area. Expecting the overlap. And we still have nobody there. Yeah. And then there was... There was a... and, and then, just to pause for a second, yeah. Rob, I was going to say, then what tends to happen is when they're not quite sure what to do, they hit the penalty spot because that's what mm. the tactics dictate. Mm. Well, there was um, there was a moment at the weekend with Mark Rocker where he was dribbling forward from midfield and he passed forward just straight in front of him to Willie Nonto who had his back to goal with like three Brentford centre-halves up his ass, and then he just gave it back to Rocker and then Rocker again played the same pass into Brendan Aronson and it just bounced back to Rocker again and it's like are we just going to keep hitting our head against mm. the wall basically because it's just all through the middle and you think just look to your left or right yeah, and, put, was, and put people in that space Yeah, there was that little still that's done the round on Twitter as well I think it's in the 12th minute where there's, <laughs> there's like four players all all stood within literally touching distance of each other and they've got the bottom there's like Aronson, Adams Rocker and Rodrigo, maybe or something, but they're all. Stu- it looks like they're doing one of those little. You have it, a Ronda. One of those little passing. Yeah, R- a R- Ronda, Rondo. <laughs> like yeah, they said like a little pre-match warm-up thing. But it's yeah. just missing someone in the middle, really, to doing to do a bit of uh, a bit of that. And it, those bits do happen in games. And there are bits where you like someone someone in the comments said that the um they, it had uh, Nonto and Jack Harrison playing like they're in a three-legged race. <laughs> <laughs> at points and you do get there you're like just fucking get, let him do that bit that's his yeah. job I, this, I think this does does just sum, sum up roughly where we are it's it's not bad enough that we're in absolute complete and utter peril yet but we're close mm. and I think that's probably where the crowd is I, 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 wonder I, if, I don't think it'll take a lot for it to swing positively but I don't think it's going to mm. take a lot for it to swing negatively either do you think Jesse's positivity helps because he's he almost doesn't acknowledge mistakes and that Convinces enough people that it keeps a a groundswell of the of the stadium. You know, like enough people are willing to kind of go along with it and go, okay, well, maybe it is going to work. Maybe it's just. Whereas if he's coming out and saying, yeah, it's yeah, it's not really very good, is it? Because mm. <laughs> it's a bit of gaslighting almost. Yeah, at, at times. Well, which is what which is what Martin the clip that we played in the main propaganda show from Martin mm. Keown, which is where he kind of went in two footed on it, didn't he? Saying it's delusional and um, propaganda as well, which which it, it almost is, isn't it? It's when the evidence of your eyes is is contradicted mm. by the words coming out of the manager's mouth. And I think that's why people have, have got short shrift with him. Really, it's it's down to that. Yeah, I, I like. I don't think it's far away from people being really furious about it. Yeah, it's a, it's probably a, a couple of defeats or one defeat. Maybe to, if we lose to Forest, I think he's in massive hot water in mm. terms of his position and the crowd will turn. And we've said before, you and I, that um, the the litmus test of of the feeling at Leeds United is always the away end and league position as well is vital in this because there was a point on Saturday we were in the relegation zone and had we been in the relegation zone and drawn to Brentford and stayed in the relegation zone the ending is different because people have got the phones out they're looking at the table mm-hmm. they're going fuck we're in the relegation zone here whereas actually being outside of it by virtue of a point or goal difference it's really no different at this stage of the season is it but psychologically I think it's, it has a big impact on people yeah that's the thing if you look at the performance in isolation you sort of think yeah okay 
but then you can't escape the table and where we are in the season. I think you said it on the Phil A show, Dan, like if that was in September, you go, okay. Decent Premier cool. League game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A bit unlucky maybe. Whereas now, we, you know, we've got so few wins. You're like, fuck, we really need to win some games. Like, we can't let, waste those chances. Absolutely. So I think it's just, it's on a knife edge at the minute, isn't it? Mm. Not to the sense where it could collapse at any moment. I just think, but I, 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 I generally agree that the direction of travel, I think most people around me anyway, I don't get the sense that there's a huge amount of conviction mm. in, in what's happening, but we're just about getting by it. I mean, it can turn very quickly because obviously it's FA Cup coming up, but if we get through Forest and then the back-to-back scum games with three defeats, I think Forest being a game we, we need to be targeting, getting points from, and then scum being scum, even though realistically we probably shouldn't be getting anything. If those three are all defeats, is it time to go at that point? Or do we, or do we say, well, let's see, Everton after that, that's that's, yeah, that's winnable. That, and then, and then, it, then you... it's that it's that delicate balance, isn't it? Mm. Of, well, but then if he fucks up Everton and we get nothing out of that, then you know we've lost another game that we needed points from. And, mm. and then if you change, you're running out of games. So it's kind of it's eating up the games that you can use to make a change, isn't it? But it's weird how decisive they were with Bielsa versus this. Like, and they've been quite decisive with managers in general actually until this point, haven't they? Because it feels like the Christensen came in, good start, but then when we started dropping out the playoffs, it was like okay, change quickly, and then. Hecking bottom again, that didn't work, changed quickly. And then there was I mean, the Bielsa era. Yeah, and I then Rodrizani held on with Christensen for like another month, didn't he? Mm. So he started to know, was like, I wanted to sack him sooner. But I was, I was thinking how, like, even with Bielsa, we had, was it a week or two before those names got leaked out there of Marsh, the Bilbao guy, Valverde, mm. and was it Corberon? Whereas there's, no, there's none of that, is there, with Leeds, uh, with Marsh at the minute? There's no, like, oh, they're eyeing up this guy, or mm. there's no sense that he's coming, I don't think. No, in fact, we're signing um, Weston McKenney. Another, <laughs> <laughs> it's Americans and Red Bull. It but seems to be. I, I guess though, you couldn't turn around and say then afterwards that we didn't back him because they've backed him with a lot of players in the summer, and then if they supplement that with another three in this window, you are changing the the shape of that squad at quite a rate there. Mm-hmm. And they then, I guess, have justification of saying, "Right, well, we're giving you the tools, and if you can't turn it around, then it's time to go." Unfortunately, and we are left with these tools. Yeah, but I. And someone said that to me, messaged me this morning and said that, like, if they're not sticking with him or they're not sticking with him in the long term, why buy players for him? But I think they're all fairly low risk punts, aren't they? With the exception of the higher um, priced signers like like Ruter. Mm. But he's got sort of future proof and manager proof qualities built into him in that he's young. He's got a hell of a lot of ability. Whereas, you know, Rasmus Christiansen, who hasn't exactly pulled up any trees, he's fairly low risk at what, 10 or 12 million, isn't he? Yeah, that's, it's not like a, a 10 or 12 million pound sign in the championship is it where you, no. you're pinning promotion hopes on them at that sort of a value but yeah it's depressingly that's just an average squad player in the Premier League so wait and see and I think if, if we continue on around a, about a point per match they'll probably stick with him which is not going to be a glamorous end to the season but it's when you break out of that isn't it because he has tracked I think last season and this season about a point a match hasn't it it's yeah. like, well isn't it meant to improve at some point when you, when you keep you keep churning the squad over and it's not like it's not like I don't. I feel we've made the squad weaker at any point. It's it's generally speaking, the quality of it has improved, and they've had longer together, and they've been playing this system for ages. So all the things you would take as excuses are kind of slowly fading away, aren't they? So make it work. Yeah, get some points on the board. <laughs> um, let's round this one off then on uh, on another scum fan. This is the casual fan. So following on from the stuff we did on the main propaganda show, where uh, they were getting a little bit upset. They loved VAR, then they hated VAR. Mm. This is the angry Canadian boy who he seemed to mainly be like a Ronaldo fan account at one point. Right. He was he always had a Portugal shirt on and Ronaldo stuff in the background. And 
Did you see the BBC put a clip of uh, go out and see, of Ronaldo? Go meet some girls. Of Ronaldo playing the, in his poxy league that he's in now. They did a thing in his, about, in his Sunday league kit. Yeah, they basically put a, he's left him for dead there because he does a little shimmy and the defender falls over. It's like yeah, but he's playing at a fucking awful level. He's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be look really good. He'd, he'd be able to make me fall over. Of course he would. He's he's not a terrible footballer. He's just nothing like as good as he, as he thinks he is. So anyway, they're, they're still trying to make a thing of that. But this is um, this is the Canadian boy being being cross about VAR. <laughs> the Canadian boy. He's offside, and Keddy offside, and Chenko offside though. He's offside. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like we like it's clear as day. Okay, now now we no even even and Keddy is offside too. They're both offside. Criminal if they allow this. It's Varsenal, man. It's fucking Varsenal. He's offside. Like what the fuck? All we want is consistency, man. That's all we want. That's all we've ever wanted. And I love how they don't they don't show any lines or any reasoning for it being offside. They just show the clear picture of it being offside, but they show nothing showing it's onside. And we're down 3-2 and going to lose. It's fucking heartbreaking. Varsenal. They were both onside. Yeah, and he's saying they don't show any they've not shown any lines of it being offside. If it's not offside, you can't <laughs> yeah. You can't really show a line of it being offside. He's like no. they need to just make it so it's offside. <laughs> Is that the show? The only showing lines of it being onside. Yeah, that's that's because that's how it works. That's the <laughs> if you're on, <laughs> if you're on, then that's what the it'll show. And if you're off, it wasn't even close either, was it? No, it was it was miles onside. A pair of them. Yeah, even and, and good. <laughs> and coming what like a week after the Bruno Fernandez goal that was given in the yes. derby. Like yeah, I'd maybe wind your neck in about VAR. Last football, <laughs> football makes idiots of all of us, doesn't it? Right, we'll wrap it up there. We'll speak to you in a bit. The extra ball. 